Please be seated. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and hopefully you do, uh, open up to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have uh, your Bible, uh, there should be a few Bible right in front of you, those blue ones. Uh, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 19 to 24 uh, this morning. And as you're turning there, uh, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, and uh, we'll get started. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full, will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let us pray. Father, once again, we are grateful for today, thankful for all that you are. And Jesus, I thank you for your words. Jesus, I pray that you would do a work within us to make us more like you. And that work does not start on the outside, it starts on the inside. And so we give this time to you, and Holy Spirit, I ask that you would use me to speak your words clearly, truthfully, and that you would accomplish your purpose and your work here this morning. We give this to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's a couple Sundays in the year where pastors, uh, are they wake up and go, huh, I wonder what church is going to be like today. Uh, it's always the last Sunday of the year in December. It's always the first Sunday in the new year in January. And Memorial Day is one of those Sundays as well. We're like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen. Because it always varies every year. But uh, glad that you're with us. Glad those of you are joining us online. Uh, we're going to get right into it this morning because I didn't preach last week. Uh, if you don't know this, I didn't preach last week. And uh, I was quite happy about that. But it was also strange. Uh, last week I got home from conference and I said to Amy, I go, I'm so glad Tom is preaching on Sunday. And Noah goes, you're not preaching? I go, no, Mr. Tom's preaching. It's a long week. And then Noah goes, well, where are we going? Uh, because he assumed because I wasn't preaching, we weren't going to be here. And I think um, next month starts my 17th year here at the church, uh, I think, if I counted correctly. Right? In those 17 years, I think last week was the second Sunday I was here and not preached. Uh, and so that is a very strange uh, feeling for me. And so I, wanted to, I want to get to the sermon and, and get going because I haven't preached in a while. Uh, but I want to qu set some things up for you. And this is way of introduction to our message this morning. If you got the church email on Friday and actually opened it and read it, and just so you know, I know who opens it. Uh, that's why I use MailChimp. I can tell who, it tells me who opens it. It even tells me on what day and what time you open it, right? In that email, I told you uh, that I was going to talk about something it's called conversations with the pastor, all right? And maybe that scared some of you, like, well, I've had conversations with the pastor. What is this all going to entail? That's the point of the email. Over the last eight or ten months, I've had conversations with you. Well, I have conversations with, with you all, all the time. 
But over the last eight or ten months, in the conversations that I've been having with uh, many people in the church and outside of the church, there's been a lot of the same topics that have come up. A lot of the same conversation. Not necessarily like just a singular question or anything along those lines, but just conversations. And as a pastor, uh, when I have conversations with people, I'm always trying to listen and find out where are people at? What are they struggling? What can, what can I share with them from the scriptures? And I found myself having these same conversations, same topics, answering some of the same questions with multiple different people. And so what we're going to do is this. Over the next five weeks, we're going to touch on two of the topics that I've had many conversations with over people with people over the last eight or ten weeks all right uh, and so for the next five weeks we're going to touch on these two topics money and prayer okay now I yes I said the M word okay I said money in church which means some of you are like all right nap time all right here's the thing though if you've never heard me preach on money you're probably not going to hear me talk about giving. When I talk about money, giving is like maybe like a three or five minute thing in the course of a whole sermon. I will not be asking you or encouraging you to give more, all right? So don't worry about that. I don't do it that way, all right? So we're going to talk about giving. We're also going to talk about prayer. Why? Because those are two topics that have come up a lot in the conversations that I have been having with people over the last eight or ten months. And then after those five weeks, our summer series is going to be a third topic that I have talked about a lot over the last eight or ten months. And what that is, is I'll let you know in a week or two, okay? Uh, I'll give you a little cliffhanger on that. But we're going to talk about money this morning and next week. The, you may not realize this, but I think you do. But you and I, we live in a day and an age where everything is about money. Did you know that? Everything is about money. It could be a good way or a bad way. We live in a day and age where everything... How many of you have heard about the debt ceiling? Right? Can any of you explain what the debt ceiling is other than Bob? Right? Not, most of us are like, debt ceiling, what is the debt ceiling, right? But we hear about it all the time. Here, how about this? Inflation. Have you heard about inflation at all? Yeah, all of us, we've all heard about inflation, right? Gas prices, right? If gas hits $3.50, we're like, ooh, it's cheap today, right? And it's just the way it is. Like gas prices, you know, the cost of eggs, much cheaper than it was, but remember when it was like $15 for like five eggs a couple months ago, right? How about this? Minimum wage. Ready? Don't shout it out. What was minimum wage when you started working, right? Minimum wage right now is about $15 an hour, right? I, I, I'm guessing. All I'm going by is this. I was at Wegmans a couple months ago, and I was talking to one of my coworkers, and they had an... Uh, uh, a sign at the deli department as we're hiring. And I said jokingly, I go, I should come back and start working. And they go, you have to start at like two or three o'clock in the morning. And we talked about all that stuff. And I go, it says you're starting at $15 an hour. I'm like, oh yeah. Once you get hired at Wegman, you start at like $15 an hour. I'm like, I left there in 2007 and I was making like $9 an hour, right? Like, what has happened here? Right? And, I, and that was after working there for five years. 16 years later, it's starting at $15 an hour. 
cost of living has gone up. The price of things are out of the control. Here's one for you. We replaced the wheels on Noah's wheelchair three weeks ago. If it was not for insurance, those six wheels would have cost us over $1,000. I can put tires on both my cars cheaper than putting the wheels on Noah's wheelchair if it wasn't for insurance. So when you see Noah drive through this morning, look at the six wheels on his chair and go, that, without insurance, cost over $1,000. Money is a worry. It is a stress. Some of you have that worry. Some of you have a stress and a burden when it comes to money. For the here and now, how do I pay for this? How do I get that? How do I take care of that? But then if I bring up the word retirement, some of you are like, oh, let's not even go there because like, I, I don't even know how I'm going to do that. But do you realize the main part of money is not talked about so much in our culture? You see, money issues come from heart issues. Did you know that? Money issues come from heart issues. And so with that said, I have three points for me this morning, and they're the same three points from Jesus. Treasure, vision, and master. So with that all said, let's see what Jesus has to say when it comes to money. And it starts here. Treasure. Verses 19 to 21. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's what Jesus tells us. And where we find ourselves this morning is in something that is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is this. Jesus is giving a sermon located on a mountain. All right, you got it, right? And not everything in the Bible is really hard, right? Uh, sermon on the Mount is very well known. I think I even preached through it once uh, a couple of years ago. And one of the main things that Jesus is doing that you need to understand just really briefly is this. One of the things Jesus is doing with the whole Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is he is talking to and about a group of people called the Pharisees. And the, the Pharisees were one of the religious leaders, groups of the religious leaders, in Jerusalem in that day. And they hated Jesus. And they opposed Jesus. And they're very conservative. They're very much to the law. And one of the things about the Pharisees was it was all external. Everything was external about them. How people viewed them and how they looked and what they did. They didn't care about the inner person. They didn't care about the heart. It was all about external and show. And so Jesus would call them out about that all the time. He goes, you guys look great on the outside, but inside you're disgusting. He doesn't actually say it that way. I'm just paraphrasing it that way so you understand it. And so what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he's talking about the heart and a lot of different issues. Jesus is going, it's not just that you murdered someone, but that you hated in your heart. It's not just that you committed adultery, but that you had lust in your heart. And so a lot of the things that Jesus is talking about in the whole sermon here is dealing with the heart, the inner person. And he does that here as well when it comes to money. He's talking about the heart. The heart of every matter is the heart. Did you know that? Now when I say heart, and when Jesus says heart, He's not talking about the organ that is your heart that is pumping blood through your body right now. 
When you come across the word heart in Scripture, unless Scripture says, you know, the spear went into the person's heart, the word heart is speaking to that place that makes you you. It's your inner person. It's the place where your convictions and your views and your opinions and your beliefs are centered in your inner being, right? That's what the word heart is getting to. It's, it's that what makes you you. The heart matters. I was at the conference two weeks ago and I was talking to a pastor and he said to me, and he was talking about all sorts of things in church and outside of church, and he said this to me, he goes, everything that is going on is happening because it's all an issue of the heart. It's a heart issue. And I said, it's right. Because it all starts here. And, and for many of you, you know this verse. It's one of my favorites. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Everything comes from the heart. Everything. It starts in the heart. And so for you and I, for us to go, well, what does the Bible say when it comes to money? I can show you Scripture on debt. I can show you Scripture on investing and saving and spending and giving. I can show you Scripture on that your money is not your money, that it's God's. I can show you Scripture that your ability to work is only there because God has given you that ability to work. I can show you Scripture on all of those things. But where you start is with the heart. We have to look at the heart first because as I said, money issues come from heart issues. To fix the wallet, you first have to fix the heart. So in light of that, Jesus goes, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. What Jesus says here is not actually that hard to understand. He goes, you know, you can store up your treasures in one of two places. You can store up treasures here on this earth, or you can store up treasures in heaven. Notice it's only one or two locations. It's not both. And there's not a third location. There's not like a storage unit that you could store up places. Like it's either here on earth or in heaven. That's it. There's no middle ground. You, you've heard this saying before. You don't take anything with you, right? When someone passes away, you take nothing with you at all. It all stays here. And so Jesus says, you could store up treasures on earth or in heaven. So what does he mean here? Does this mean we can't buy anything? Does this mean we can't collect anything? Does this mean we can't enjoy things on this side of heaven? No, Jesus isn't saying that. Scripture tells us to buy things. Scripture tells us to invest. Scripture tells us to save. Scripture tells us to give. Scripture, as we saw in Timothy, tells us to enjoy what God has given you. So is it wrong for you to go on a vacation? No. Is it wrong for you to buy something? No. Is it wrong for you to save for retirement or to save up for a trip or something along those? No, it's not wrong to do that. And Jesus isn't telling you not to do that. But this storing up here is this. Notice he says, store up for yourselves. It's a selfishness. It's a pridefulness. It's a hard-heartedness. This is the person that is storing up treasures here on earth all for themselves. It's all for them. It's the person who never has enough money 
and has never has enough stuff that money buys for them. It's all about me. That their heart and their passion and their desire is to have more money and to have more stuff and to have more stuff and to have more stuff and to have more money and to have more money. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He says that person who is never satisfied, never has enough money, never has enough stuff. Do you realize that you are in the top wealthiest people in the world. Do you know that? Yeah, no, pastor, I'm not. Yep. If you have $5 to your name, I forget the exact number. I know it's under $5, so that's why I'm using $5. If you have $5 to your name, you're among the wealthiest people in the world. There are people that live off of like 10 cents a day in this world. And do you realize that if I were to come to you and ask you, how much money would you need to make to consider yourself wealthy? Most of you are going to double your salary. And say, if I can make that amount, then I'll be, then I'll be wealthy, then I'll be okay. And why I say double is because in the studies that I came across, a few studies that I saw this week, when you ask somebody that question in America, they usually double their salary. So if you ask somebody who's making $25,000 a year, how much money do you need to make to be, to be wealthy, to, to be good? And they go, well, $50,000. Well, the problem with that is when the person who's making $50,000 is asked the same question, they go, I just need to make $100,000 and then everything is a good. Because we always want more. Because when we go from making $9 an hour to making $15 an hour, we now want to make $20 an hour. And then we want to make $30 an hour. And then we want to make $50 an hour because it's not enough. And that's the person that Jesus is talking about. That is the person that stores up treasures for themselves here on earth because they're not, they don't have enough. They're not getting enough. Nothing is ever good enough for them. It is the person who needs and wants more stuff, more money, more things, bigger house, better things in the house. I need to have this and I need to have that. It's all about them and what they have. Solomon, and Solomon, history tells us, the Bible tells us, one of the wealthiest people that have ever lived. Okay? He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Solomon goes, you know, you, you love money, you never have enough. Because you're never satisfied. Does that sound like our culture? Never satisfied with what you have. Proverbs 28 tells us this. A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. Stingy man is eager to get rich. Jesus goes, you can store up treasures in this world, but guess what? It's not going to last. It's not going to last at all. Everything in this world, of this world, is going to be eaten up. It's going to rust and decay or be stolen. All of it. Ready? Not to burst your bubble this morning. Everything you have is going to fall into one of these categories. It's going to be stolen. It's going to be burned up. It's going to decay. Everything. And 
probably be sold in a yard sale for like 50 cents. Everything you have. And you go, well, not my stuff, Pastor. My stuff's worth more than 50 cents. Well, maybe it is. But you know what happens? So it gets sold for $100. You no longer have the thing. You'll get the $100. You'll spend the $100. Now you don't have the thing or the money. And if your stuff is being sold in the yard sale, it's probably your kids are selling it because you're already passed. It's gone. It's gone. Jesus goes, it's, all, it's not going to last. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, he struggled with that. Because he has billions of dollars and he goes, I have to leave it to these people? Because it's not right. It, none of it lasts. But Jesus goes, so why store up treasures in this world that aren't going to last when you can store up treasures in the next? What Jesus is saying there is this. You can live your life in such a way and handle and spend money in such a way that you store up treasures in heaven. You get that? That you can store up treasures in heaven by the way you handle your finances. And the things in heaven are, guess what? They're eternal. They're not going to rust. They're not going to decay. They're not going to be burned up. They're not going to be stolen. They're eternal. That you could store up for them. And we do this as we invest in the things of God with the money that God has given us. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, and some of you might remember this, the dimes that we collect in the back, the loose change if people want to put in, right? we had a goal one year. I came to you after conference and I told you we have a church in Guatemala and they have no chairs in their church. They sit on wooden they, stumps from trees. There's a little log. If you think of like a primitive camp and you sit around the campfire, a little stump, people would come and sit on those for three or four hours for church. So don't complain about the pews, okay? So I go, we're going to do the dimes, and we're going to collect change or whatever you want to put into that, and then we're going to send that money down so that they could buy chairs. And that's what we did. And so we helped purchase chairs for their church. That's storing up treasures in heaven. That is investing in the things of God with the money that God has given to us because it's not about us. God looks at that and goes, you know what, that's wise. That's smart. Then Jesus says something that is huge. He goes, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, what's your treasure? Don't dare give me the Jesus answer because you're sitting in church. What's your treasure? Because Jesus says where your heart is, where your treasure is, it's where your heart is going to be. If your treasure is this world and the things of this world, the money and the materialism and everything along those lines, then your heart is going to be in this world. It's a given. And if your world is in this world, if your heart is in this world and for this world, your heart is not in Christ, your heart is not for Jesus. And it means you're not living for Him. It means you're living for self in this world and not for Christ. If your treasure is this world and the things of this world, 
then your heart is off. Your heart is wrong before God in this area. And if your heart is wrong in that way, you're going to be storing up treasures in this world and you're going to have money issues. Because Jesus says it's all going to waste away. So where's your treasure? Where are you storing up your treasures? But it's not just your treasures because Jesus comes up with something else. He goes, it's your vision. Verses 22 to 23. Jesus says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, light, if, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How's your vision? Some of you, if you're like me, you go like this, you go, not so good. I can't see you, right? Jesus isn't necessarily talking about your vision vision. It's an analogy here. It's a picture that he's trying to get across. What Jesus does here is he uses the word I as for instead of the word heart. What I mean by that is this. If I came to you and said, do you have your heart set on that car? You would all know what I mean, right? You have a desire for that car. You're interested in that car. You want that car, right? But if I came to you and also said, do you have your eyes set on that car? Same thing, right? If I ask you if you have your heart set on something or if your eyes are set on something, it's the same thing. That's what Jesus is doing here, right? He's talking about a focus. He's talking about your vision. What is your focus on? What is your heart set on? Because the eye is the picture of a heart. And I love what one writer says about this here. He says, when we can see with our eyes, sighted people, their body is filled with the light that comes in from the world by which they perceive and understand what's in their vision. But if your eye is dark, it's black. There's no light that comes in and you perceive nothing. And that's the way it is with the heart. If your heart is toward God, it lights your entire spiritual being. If your heart is toward the material things, toward the treasures of this world, the blinds come down of your spiritual perception and you do not see spiritually as you ought. And what Jesus is saying here is that when your heart is towards God, it enlightens and brings light to your whole spiritual being. But when your heart is not focused on Christ and your heart is focused on the material things of this world and money, there's a darkness within you that you can't see spiritually. You're not going to see the things of God. And what Jesus is saying here is simply this, and you've never thought of this. He says, how you handle money is key to your spiritual perception. Did you know that? How you view and handle money is a sign of your spiritual growth or lack thereof of spiritual growth. Because the way you handle money shows your vision. It shows your look at money and the use of money in the way that God wants you to. Or you view money as it's yours and you use it however you want to without going to the Lord about it. What's your focus? When it comes to money and materialistic things, what is your focus? What is your heart set on about that? Seeing it and using it for the spiritual growth and glory of Jesus Christ? Or is your view, your focus on materialistic things? Because when your view, your focus, 
is on using money to glorify God in the way that God wants it to be, there's going to be a light. There's going to be a spiritual light and energy in your being and you're going to be able to see God and the things of God better. When it's, nope, this is all mine. I'm going to use it for me, myself, and I. There's a darkness within you that keeps you from seeing things spiritually the way that you are. Shows where your focus is. You think, well, why does this matter? Well, Jesus gives us a little verse in Luke chapter 16. Jesus says this. He goes, so, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Do you know the money that you have is not true riches? And Jesus goes, excuse me, if I can't trust you handling worldly wealth, how can I trust you to handle true riches? How many of you would give a three-year-old a pair of scissors? Why? You can't trust them with it, right? They have to mature enough and show that they can handle scissors for you to give them scissors. Jesus goes, how can I give you true wealth, true riches, if you can't handle the worldly wealth that you have every single day? How am I supposed to do that? I can't trust you with the truly rich things if you can't handle the, the smaller things. If our focus, when it comes to money, is more materialistic stuff, our focus is on the wrong thing, which means our heart is on the wrong thing. And spiritually speaking, you are in the darkness and not the light when it comes to spiritual matters and living for Jesus. If the focus of your heart, the vision of your heart, is on money and materialistic things, now, one of the reasons that your heart and my heart get focused on money and materialistic things instead of Jesus and His kingdom is because you and I, we lose contentment. We lose contentment. We live in a world that spends billions of dollars a year to make you and I feel less content with what we have. Did you know that? You need this phone. What phone, Pastor? Does it matter? Put the TV on. You need that phone. You need that phone. What about the car that has the full massaging chair and the front seats? You need that. Don't get me wrong. That would be nice, right? That would be nice. But you need that. Right? You need that. What about this? Look at all the home shows that come on TV. You need your kitchen to look like this. Really? I just need to be able to cook a turkey, right? Your kitchen, better yet, your bathroom needs to have this tile and this size, you know, with the grain going this way. You need this mirror. You need two sinks because one sink isn't good enough, right? You need two, right? You desperately need two. Oh, and by the way, you no longer just need a shower and tub combo. You need both, singular. You need the stand-up shower over here, and then you need the tub over here. You need that. You need that. Billions of dollars are spent to make you feel less content with what you have. We live in a culture where nothing is good enough, and we're not content with what we have. And because you're not content with what you have, your focus moves off of the things of God 
and your focus becomes, how do I get more money? How do I become, how do I get more stuff? How do I keep up with the neighbors? How many of you have ever heard the line of the Joneses? Joneses are, are me. Literally, my mom's maiden name is Jones. Joneses don't have that much stuff, right? You don't have to keep up with us. Some of you are ahead of us, right? How do I keep up with the Joneses? How do I keep up with the neighbors? How do I keep up with the people of the home improvement shows? Money issues come from heart issues, and one of the heart issues that causes money issues is a lack of contentment. I'll go on a limb and say more than half of you are not content with life. More than half of you are not content where you are financially in your life right now. You want more stuff. You want better stuff. And because of that, you have money issues. There's a lack of contentment in the Lord and what the Lord has given to you. If your home never changes for the rest of your life, are you okay with that? The car that you have now never changes. Are you okay with that? How about the paycheck you got this past week? What if that amount never changes for the rest of your life? Are you okay with that? You need to provide for your family for the needs. And notice I said needs there. But if your home and your car and your paycheck never change for the rest of your life, are you okay with that? Most people, the majority of people, will say no. When you are content with what God has blessed you with, you can focus in on the things of God. When you lack contentment with what God has given you, you focus in on what you want and not what God wants you to do. Because when you have contentment, when it comes to money and the things that you have, you can go, oh, that person needs help. I'll help them. When you have contentment, you can hear that the missionary needs support. And you go, I can help them. That is having your vision right. That is having your focus right. But when you don't have contentment, you see the need and you hear the need. You go, man, I know the offering in the church is down, but got to have my Duncan. That missionary is really struggling, but you know what? My cell phone is a year old. I really want the new one. And so I'm going to get that. A lack of contentment takes our vision off of the spiritual and puts it on the material. So where's your treasure at? Better yet, where's your focus at? What's your vision when it comes to money? Is it to provide more for you? because you don't have a contentment? Or is your main goal to honor the Lord with the finances that He has given you? You go, why does that matter? Where my treasure is and what my vision is? Because the answer to those two questions will give you the answer to this. Who is your master? Verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll, he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Jesus simply says this, who is your master? Now, we are sitting in church, and we hate when the pastor talks about money. Do you know that pastors hate talking about what? Most biblical preaching and teaching pastors hate talking about money. There are some pastors that love talking about money to get you to give them more money because they're unbiblical. But do you know Jesus talks about money like 25% of the time? Did you know that? We hate it, but it's true. And so you hear the question, who, who is your master? And of course, you're sitting in church and we're going to go, Jesus is my master. But is that true? Because notice what Jesus says here. He says, no one can serve two masters. And you need to pause there. Jesus just said, no one. Notice that. Jesus said, no one. Which means Jesus is telling the truth and no one can do this. Or Jesus is lying here. If Jesus lied here, then he has sin. If Jesus has sin, then he's not perfect. If Jesus is not perfect, he could not be the perfect sacrifice on the cross for your sins and my sins, and which means he cannot do anything for us and get us out of hell, which means we're all going to hell. Jesus just says, no one can do this. And so some of you are going to go, I can do it. No, he can't. You can't. No one can serve two masters. And we see that word serve and you think, well, I, I have two jobs. There's been a time in my life I had two jobs. I think at one point I had three jobs. It's all a blur. I don't remember it because all I did was work. That word serve does not mean a job. It does not mean employment. That word serve is the word that we get the words bondservant from. It is the word we also get the word slave from. And Jesus is not talking about a job here. He is talking about ownership. He's talking about being owned by someone or something. He is speaking to full-time service, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Jesus goes, you cannot give full-time service to two different masters. Because here's what happens. It's 1 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, and you're serving one master, and the other master calls you up and goes, I need you to do this. How are you supposed to do that? How are you supposed to serve both at the same time? You can't do it. And that's Jesus' point. He goes, you can't do it. He goes, no one can do it. So Jesus goes, you're either going to hate the one and love the other, be devoted to one or despise the other. He goes, you cannot serve both God and money. Some of your Bible translations will have a different word there. That word means riches. Jesus goes, you can't serve both God and money. Some of you are trying. Some of you are trying to serve both God and money. You're trying to build up your kingdom with more money and more stuff. And you're trying to serve God at the same time, doing the things of God. If you're doing that, I can guarantee I know how you, your heart is. You're miserable, you're burned out, you're stressed out, you're worried. Nothing is t- happening in the right way. Nothing's going right for you. Because you can't do it. Money is a master for a lot of people. You work for it, you live for it, you borrow it because you need more and more of it, and you literally serve it. 
Who are you serving? Jesus, God, or money? So that's what Jesus says. You, you can't serve both. You know, most people, even in the church, will serve money before they serve Jesus. You know that? I will even tell you this. I'll be honest. There's a lot of churches as a whole that serve money before they serve Jesus. It's more about the money than it is about Christ. Well, how do I know that? Well, I'll give you one, I'll give you one thing, and I won't even go into this. I'll leave this at your feet because I've already ruffled your feathers enough. People have always, and people always will, make sacrifices for their God. Lowercase g. Whatever their God is, they'll make sacrifices for it. Look at your life and ask yourself this question. Will you make sacrifice to make more money? Or will you make sacrifice to worship Jesus? Let me boil it down into this little thing. If I came to you and said, I'll give you $500 for three hours of your time. Would you go, I'll be there. Well, do you have other things going on? Yeah, but I can cancel them. I don't have to go there. I don't have to do that. I could do that stuff at another time. You just sacrificed one thing for $500 for three hours. Because money's a God. Now, I came to you and go, can I have three hours of your time? so that we can worship Jesus, learn Jesus, serve Jesus by serving other people. Oh, I'm sorry, Pastor, I, I have this to do. Pastor, I have, I have this to do. I don't have the time to do that, Pastor. I, I don't have time for Bible study. I don't have time to share the Gospel with somebody else. I don't have time to serve the needy. I don't have time to meet the need in the church or through the church. I don't have time for that. But if I go, I'll give you $500 for your three hours, Yep, I'll be there right, right there, Pastor. Guess what? That right there shows that money is your God and Jesus is not. That when we are willing to make sacrifices for more money and more stuff, it means we're serving money. And when we are not willing to make sacrifices to serve Jesus, shows us that Jesus is not our God. I know that's painful and it's difficult, but it's biblical and that's what God calls us to because He's the one that's created us. He died for you. He rose for you. You see, this all comes down to worship. Your wallet, my wallet, shows who or what you worship. Worship means to give worth back to someone or something. You and I are always worshiping someone or something. We worship self, we worship our spouse, our kids, work, money, sports. It's giving worth back to someone or something else. And the issue is not that we can't give worth to our kids, we can't give worth to our spouses. We can do those things. But we have to be making sure we're giving worth to God first and foremost in the right ways. We need to be giving worth back to Christ. If not, we don't live for Him. We're living for ourselves and when we live for ourselves, guess who we're serving? Money. Friends, the money you have, the funds you have come down to worship. Are you, will you worship Jesus with those funds? Or will you use those funds to worship yourself? And I want you to get this. This is not, I give some to Jesus and use the rest over here. Jesus is not talking about that. He's going, hey, I want, I deserve all of your heart. 
You cannot have your heart in two places. The nation of Israel did this throughout the Old Testament. The nation of Israel would come into a land and God goes, get rid of the people in the land and the worship that they do because it's going to entrap you and you're going to end up doing what they're going to do. And you know what the nation of Israel did? They did absolutely nothing. They took on the worship practices of the people they came into. And so they're sacrificing kids, but then they're still going to the temple, sacrificing lambs on God. We're still giving you some of it. We're still giving you the best that we have. And God goes, no, but you're still doing everything else. Your heart is in two places. Your heart cannot be in two places at the same time. Jesus goes, I want all of your heart. All of your heart. It's one or the other. The same is with you and I and our finances. We either look at them and use them for the Lord according to the Lord or we don't. There's no middle ground on that. Friends, you and I, we live in a culture that is all about money and that which comes from money. We live in a culture that lacks contentment and worships itself with money. Jesus goes, serve me. Be focused on me. Store up treasures in heaven. It's a far better plan. Friends, to fix the issues of your wallet, you have to start by fixing the issues of your heart and where your heart comes to with money. If your heart is not devoted to Jesus, fixed on Christ, then you'll end up being focused on the wrong things, trying to store up treasures in this world, and you will end up living for and serving money and not Jesus, which in the end always has issues. I didn't tell you how to spend your money. I didn't tell you to do anything with your money. I'm asking you what your heart is behind your money. Because that has everything else to do with your funds. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and we pray, the Lord, that you would forgive us. Lord, none of us handle money completely right in the way that you want us to. None of us spend and use and invest and give money the way that you want us to. And this morning, I pray that you would forgive us for that. I pray that, Jesus, you would help us as an individual, as individuals and as your church to store up treasures in heaven, to use the funds your way, according to your will, because they are yours. Help us to find a contentment in you, Jesus, and not of this world. We give this to you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.